welcome to the NC Unwrapped podcast, where we connect gifts and energize community. This is episode one. Today we are going to discuss the Education Collab. The Education Collab is in its planning phase at the Nelson County District. We are excited to introduce the Education Collab, which will be housed in the Nelson County Early Learning Center. And today's discussion is talking about how we are going to partner with local child care centers, as well as our early learning center, elementary schools, and middle schools to provide our students in the collab the real experience of becoming educators and understanding who they really are. Here at the table today, we have Miss Brenda Hagen, who is the owner of Crocus Academy, as well as the project specialist at the Kentucky Governor's Office of Early Childhood. I've been doing this, I've been in childcare since 1992. So that's, there's a whole lot of area to cover, but we opened Crocus in 2003, and I'll start there. And I wanted a place where we could have smaller ratios, qualified staff, almost demand parent involvement, I mean, to some of the things that we did. And that I felt like if we had that, we would have better success. Our kids would be more kindergarten ready. And that um, if you had qualified staff, you'd have less turnover if they were paid commensurate with their education and experience. If you have less turnover, the kids are happy, the kids are happy, the parents are happy, the parents are happy, I'm happy. But in 2015, <laughs> Tracy, I'm going to use this, okay? I have this thing, and I say what? I've got an idea. <laughs> so I said, guys, I have an idea about this thing. You know, I was listening to NPR, and they were talking about apprenticeships being on the rise. And I thought, I wonder if we have an apprenticeship in early childhood education because it's the perfect fit. Some of your best teachers are the masterful teachers are the ones that have wonderful classroom skills. And there have been numerous times that I've um, hired somebody with an associate's or a bachelor's and they walk in the classroom and they're like, what do I do? And I think, okay, you're my highest paid employee right now. That's not fair. It's not right, you know. Because some of the practicum aspects of a degree is more about doing a K-tip plan, observing another teacher do, and maybe assisting. But there's very little opportunity to be in a class. It's different to be in a kindergarten classroom than to be in a three-year-old classroom. Mm -hmm. And just the way that they engage and the way that you have to keep their mind and eyes on you, that's a totally different thing. And that really comes through practice and practicing different strategies and techniques. So I called the Kentucky Department of Education and I just said, do we have an apprenticeship in early childhood education? And they connected me to Mary Taylor and she said, no, but we would like one <laughs> and invited me to come down and meet with them. And I met with her and a lady named Kayla Godby and a gentleman named Albert Fox. And we went through this process and I said, I just think there's got to be a different pathway. That, you know, you can go this way, junior college, college, which you, everybody can have that choice if they want. But if they don't want that, if they're not confident in their skills to go to college or they're uncertain about that, but they know this is the path they want to go, they just don't know how to get there. Let's give them an opportunity to try it a different way. And then I got connected with Teresa, who has this wonderful program of, of the time um, that has a lot of ECE pathway students and she was excited about it. You know, you'd be, a lot of people were like, ah, that's just another thing, you know. And I was like, if we try it, I think it might work. 
So we put um, apprentices in our Bardstown Center, Etown Center, and Louisville Center. So when we started that, it was just an idea. And then uh, the preschool development grant came out in 2019, and they had a kickoff January of 2019, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I was invited to come because I served on the uh, professional development committee, subcommittee. And I went to it, and I was sitting with Mary Taylor, Taylor and Kayla Godby, who started this whole process. And Mary went, and then it said, apprenticeship coordinator will be hired to develop a, an apprenticeship in early childhood education. I was like, well, we have one, you know. <laughs> so I sent a letter to everybody that's, that was on the board in ECAC. It was a part of the, that, you know, they have a page. says these people are involved. I sent an email to every one of them with my resume and a letter that said, I do not know who you can hire to do this other than me. Because it started with me. Nobody else has done it. And I would like the job. And I got the job. <laughs> so I worked on preschool development grant um, one, which was a planning year. They did not get years two, three, and four. So I really thought in March of 2020, that was, I was done. You know, and then I was just going to go home and hang out because... My centers kind of run themselves now. And um, the new executive director came to me and said, I don't want you to make any plans to go anywhere because I'm trying to see if we can create a job for you. And I said, okay, because we had gone from my my one employer participant, we were up to 12. And so the goal was to get up to 20 this year. Well, I have enrolled 20 in March alone because people are starting to understand this is a good way to address this because high school students are excited. They are very, very flexible and want to learn. They haven't learned any bad habits from anyone else. And so let's say you're a Head Start program, you're a state-funded preschool, and you're private child care. It works in all three of them. And so if you get an apprentice in a Head Start program, they're taught the Head Start way. If you get one, they're taught what the state public preschool is and then as a private child care owner you can teach them your methods and so they're getting apprenticeship training in your program using your policies and procedures your curriculum your rotations they're not learning any bad habits unless they learn them from you and um, all with your own students and daily daily just flooding them with opportunities to observe and experience everything and so now, you know, I'm actually speaking at a national conference next week about this because Kentucky was the forerunner. So I'm all about anything that's going to benefit kids, all ages. My focus is early childhood, but my focus is also those kids that could go into the apprenticeship program. Because we have several preschools and child care facilities in this county that would really benefit from this. And I think we whatever we do as a collaborative unit needs to include that option to say who else could benefit from this and kind of go from there. It, it's a little humbling and it makes me cry a little sometimes because I think I remember when it was just an idea. So um, I appreciate you asking me to be here. That was probably more information than no. you needed, but you need to understand I get it from all aspects. And that's probably why you asked me. I was going to say, yes, I, I asked you that because it covered so many things that trickle in and, and 
that is one thing that we talked about in our collab is here's these students. Now, Miss Jessica, she teaches um, the education pathway through U of L. Oh, yeah. And so how... Oh, I want to know you more. All of you too, but I mean, I got a question for you. Students that... Um, see themselves going to a two-year, four-year degree. Mm -hmm. We have the ECT, which mm -hmm. we've partnered with before. We have now U of L coming to the table where Miss Jessica is going to be able to bring that for these students too. But then also the traditional student, mm -hmm. like the student who wants to go right into the workforce and with the apprenticeship as well. And so how this is all connecting mm -hmm. and bringing it to the table. Well, and I see ways that they could cross over because you have a student that maybe is uncertain about going to college. But when they're finished with this apprenticeship, I'm right there saying, you know, if you want to go to college and you want to get your associates or your bachelor's or whatever you want to do, you can do, if you can do this, right. you can do this and we'll work your schedule around it. And because the goal is not to pull students from post-secondary education, it's just to give students options. And the biggest issue we face right now is an articulation between if a student's graduating from high school and completing an apprenticeship, they have gotten their CDA more than likely, but the 4,000 hours is a big deal. And the apprentice log, it uses the standards, benchmarks, and developmental continuums for, I've broken it down into infant toddler and one into preschool. And I'm actually, I can't believe it, getting ready to do one for school age. Because I think that there needs to be something that addresses that if somebody wants to be a school age uh, um, aftercare worker or if they want to take that and go into a K through 12 uh, degree. The goal is really to, whatever they want, the goal is to find the best way to get them there. But I'd like to see that, like, if an apprentice comes from our program at L, that they get credit for 101 and 102 and maybe the uh, practicum even because so much of what we do in that standard uh, document, it's for preschool, it's 240 hours worth of observations using those. And for infant toddler, it's 202. But it's all while you're working with your kids and observing their developmental progression mm -hmm. and maybe what's missing and what we could add more into. So I think that that's a great way to kind of cross everything over, that we're all on the same team. Yes. We're all, the goal is to have a thriving community which has to have stable childcare. If anything we learned in the past year, it has we have to have it or nobody goes to work. We have Miss Rachel Harris, Children's Programming at the Nelson County Public Library. Ms. Rachel, I would love to hear your take on how your expertise in the world of literacy and programming and, I mean, all these different things that I can think of are students doing passion projects mm -hmm. and connecting with you and how you could see our collab further creating a partnership with you and possibly allowing these students opportunities in the world of literacy and education. Well, I know literacy is just, it's so important. I, I love the idea of these kids coming in and learning more about mm -hmm. how to work with kids at the different ages. I mean, any way that we could help, any way that if they wanted to come in and, and see some of our programs too, mm -hmm. especially once we can get some of that stuff started back up again, I would, I would love to help in any way that we can. So. I appreciate that. Because yeah. it's funny, you know, our students, they'll come into our building and Jessica, I'm sure you've seen this too, they'll go into an elementary or middle school or high school building, mm -hmm. but then they see the speech pathologist. They see the literacy specialist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They see. They're like, there's a whole world of occupations. There's a occupations. whole world mm -hmm. in education. And wow, I didn't know. I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. But yes, I still get to work with kids. And then maybe my gift is 
thinking um, of event planning and creating programs and doing these mm-hmm. things. And this is my little niche where I can go now another whole door has opened up into this. And yes. so that's what I want to provide these students is the opportunity of seeing like, yes, we're all educators, mm-hmm. but how do we educate in what ways and what doors are going to be open for them? And so they're going to be able to, I mean, we have a psych psychologist right on site that I can pull in and speech pathologists and occupational therapists and physical therapists. And I mean, those mm-hmm. gamut of different roles that education right. has for them mm-hmm. and allowing them to observe and see and do these different things as well. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, I also <laughs> think, you know, if you can get young people into the library working yeah. in some sort of an apprenticeship or mm-hmm. um, college bound program, I think they, they have such a unique slant on things right now. And they're very much creative idealists that want to get in there. Libraries have suffered a lot in the past year because of of issues with COVID, but also the digital reading empire that's out there. Yeah. You know, the, the idea of going into a library and checking out a book and reading it is becoming foreign to a lot mm-hmm. of people. But I think a younger group could come in and help you say, how do I reach this group? Exactly. How do we connect with them? And they might have ideas that we just, mm-hmm. I'm not going to think of because it's not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it could be a great boost for, for any organization that's facing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a lot of those resources. Like they can get um, online books and mm-hmm. things like that through the library. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes people don't realize it or mm-hmm. they don't know what all we have just on our website and things like that. Okay, so if you decided to join our collab, mm-hmm. put yourself in ninth grade shoes, what would you want to get out? What type of experiences, hands-on experiences, what are some things that you see would be very valuable as we're building this to create and allow them to participate in ninth up? I like seeing the planning as well as seeing the programs implemented. You know, seeing the backside of it and what all goes into like putting a lesson plan together mm-hmm. or getting a story time together, anything like that. And like not just coming in to do the program, but to be part of the whole process of getting it from here to here. And very intentional too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to think about that. It's been a long time since I've been in the ninth grade. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of if I would have even had the initiative to do something like this because it's, mm-hmm. it's a totally different way of thinking and learning. Um, I think that, um, something towards what you said that mm-hmm. you have the apprenticeship program, which is to see one, do one, teach one kind of method that you see doctors learning and, uh, consults and stuff like that. But there's also the cognitive apprenticeship program. And that is where you teach one, you're maybe teach an activity, like here's how we do this. But then as you, as you come up with something, you'll say, I'm wondering, should we do it this way or this way? And then you encourage them to collaborate with you. It's teaching them your thought process. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might be interesting to pull in. And I'm not saying that as a person from the governor's office, I'm just saying as somebody who's recently come across that, I think there's an interesting aspect to make. I think it's called making learning visible, thinking visible. And that's from uh, Collins on, he design cognitive apprenticeship. So I've been reading about it because I want to see, I'm always trying to see how we can be better. And I think that that's going to really appeal to that age group because they want, they want to be a part of the decision. Yeah.
but we have to teach them how to do that. And mm-hmm. and I think that would be a great um, thing to do. I think it would be very exciting to feel like you're not just going to go and sit and listen to somebody talk to you all the time, or you're not just patting backs and cleaning tables, because that's what we designed this program not to be. But to actually be able to say, to sit in on the teacher planning session Mm-hmm. And say, you know, so-and-so, this is our theme this week. And to say, you know, so-and-so really likes this. Maybe if we can incorporate that somewhere, just the idea that their opinion matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a level of mutual respect, and it's going to do a lot to connect them to the teacher and, and create a better chance of retention and, and retention in the program, but also knowledge retention. If you were to hire, Rachel, a, um, let's say, a librarian apprentice, mm-hmm. um, and they were going to come to you from our collab, what skills and knowledge would you be looking for that we would do and start training them so by the time that you hire them, say, senior year, mm-hmm. they're ready to go into a work-based learning program? What are some things that you're seeing that you would like for us to be working with that student to prepare them to be successful as they step into the door for you? Um, I guess that depending on what age group they want to work with, training to work with that specific age group. Like if they're interested in like preschool age things, you know, because it's like, I mean, in our story time, the baby story time looks different from the two-year-old versus a three to four year old story time. So um, I guess, and that looks different too from the school age programs. So I guess the the different types of skills that they would need in order to work with a specific age group Mm -hmm. would be helpful. So I guess, I guess just that, you know? Okay. What about you, Miss Brenda? So the only other thing that I would suggest is maybe something on assessment or screening because Kentucky's adopted the Brigant screening tool. It would be great for those students to be able to observe somebody doing that. Kylie this year, uh, last year in the fall, um, and I did it because the director was on maternity leave. She's my daughter. She could ask her mother to come and work. <laughs> um, so we were, it was time to do that screen that we do prior to fall break and so I said Kylie I think I mean she's been with us two and a half years I said I think you're ready to learn how to do this so one day she just sat in there with me for everything and then the next day I sat in there with her while she did it and she'd ask me is this the way that you grade this is this the way you score this you know the pictures are always the hard one and then uh, sometimes the way that they're writing those, the, the symbols that they give, she's like, okay, this looks fine to me, but now here's the book, here's the manual, here's how you follow that. And uh, I said, if you notice when you flip it over on the opposite side of it, it has all the directions for it. And she's like, oh, you know. And so we went through that. And then the next day I came in and I said, Kylie, I'm going to have you do your own by yourself. I'm just going to stand back here or Crystal's going to stand back here. and We're just going to watch and see how it goes. She's a pro. And then I showed her how to use the scoring tool online. She scored every one of them. Crystal and I went back and double-checked everything. But that process, her confidence level just went like this because she thought, oh, that's something only this level can do. And I'm like, you know, actually, people make it much harder than it is. But there is a Brigant screening training on TRIS that somebody could take. But 
the program could give them an opportunity in the co-lab at the preschool to actually participate in that because mm-hmm. that is a very valuable skill. Mm-hmm. If somebody came to me and they applied for a job and they said, I have completed a 4,000-hour apprenticeship at Child Care A, I have all of these trainings, and I'm experienced in screening, and this and this and this, I'd be like, come on in. <laughs> you know? Because usually it's just, it's just not that way. Mm-hmm. But that's a real practical type of training that child care really needs. They, they need people that understand how to do the work and not just how to learn the work. I'm Kelsey Berryman, I work for Nelson County Schools. Uh, so something that we're thinking about uh, across all grade levels, not just um, 9 to 12, is how do we help students contribute to community now? Like even mm-hmm. thinking about how can a second grader contribute to community now? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of solutions or problems do you think students could lead or tackle through this collab that could really help Nelson County grow as a whole? It's a really heavy question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so you're t- you mentioned all ages. Right. Yeah, we, could, we could just focus on the collab, but just to give you some context. Because I think that it would be great to have maybe a parent night at the library for kids that are going to be going to kindergarten the next year mm-hmm. and have kindergartners from all the schools to tell them, this is what it, I was scared the first day. You don't have to be. It's mm-hmm. going to be fun. You're going to like it. Because those four-year-olds that are going to kindergarten, they're going to listen to that, and they're already going to be playing and connecting with it. But it would be, we do that for other things. Mm-hmm. But these kids are going through the biggest transition that they're going to have for probably 10 years. And it would be really cool to have a um, child-to-child mentor kind of thing or mm-hmm. just, you know, and then let the, the principals of the schools ask their kindergarten teachers, who would you recommend? And it could be a kindergartner or a first grader. And I think it would be really interesting. We could come up with a really cool, catchy title and, and, spotlight it on every site that we're connected to because anybody that works with zero to five needs to support everybody that works with zero to five and how these collab students could even contribute to that getting this like making if if that's something they're passionate about that age group Mm -hmm. thinking about a plan for transition it's it's kind of an exciting idea like to think about this is something so big that is really impacting students from the top all the way down i have two daughters that graduated from thomas nelson and they had the feast of Thanksgiving that they did, mm-hmm. and the students planned it. And I was like, they ain't going to have good food. It's like, it's like <laughs> this is going to be bad. It's going to be bologna sandwiches or pizza. That's all okay. But it was perfection because they were given the autonomy mm-hmm. to make decisions, collaborate together, see it through. There was no grade for it. It was just, it helped that GSP application I'm just saying but um something like that mm-hmm. because they can do it yeah. they really can and I never would have believed it <laughs> and I, my kids were pretty smart but I wouldn't have believed they could have pulled something like that off and I, you know I'm thinking like our our goal at the end of the collab is to have our work the work-based learning students they're not all going to be at the ELC mm-hmm. we want them to be in the mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. so Hopefully, whoever is at, you know, ABC, mm-hmm. you know, child care center is thinking about those students because they're invested there. And right. whoever is at, you know, their passion place is going to be invested there. So it's going to be 
widespread and it's it's really invested in our whole community. I would love to see more collaboration between private, Head Start, and public because there seems to be this, we're taking kids away from each other. It doesn't need to be that way. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, every child that's in a quality preschool is going to some school system. And that benefits whatever school system they're going to. So whether you're teaching them in, in your programs or whether I'm teaching them in mine and sending them to your program, we should be equally invested in the success of those students because it shouldn't matter what district they're in. It should just matter they're getting quality education. That's one more I can check off my list that got a good, and to have the assurance of saying, oh, they're at Crocus, they're going to be fine. Let's do this. I think high school students being involved in the process, that makes them leaders long down the road in their community. We want them to come back to Bartsent when they graduate college, if they go to college, if they go to a tech school. We want them to come back and be in this community and be a vibrant part of its success. Because if everybody leaves, you know, that's not good either. So I just think that really engaging these high school students, maybe, you know, when, what is it, Operation Preparation? Where you going? I've done it a few times. I think that's what, there's yes. Operation Preparation. It's and op Operation Preparation. And there's something and else, operation too. Operation Purple Cow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's two different things. Yes. But I maybe have something like that for eighth graders, where people can go in and say, here are some things that you might not know about, and just do it in terms of education. Have an education thing like that for eighth graders that are graduating into whatever system they're going into. Each school system could do it because what we're finding is, um, generally speaking, kids that are going to go into early childhood, they know what they want to be when they're really young a lot of times. Sometimes they discover it along the way, and that's great too, but some of them are like laser focused. And if they already know that and they already feel comfortable, give them the opportunities to explore it, to see, uh-uh, is it going to work for me? Or I love it even more. And I think to go, one of the things I learned about the youth apprenticeship is to not rely upon an adult apprenticeship where maybe there's some dissatisfaction and, you know, a lot of um, different places that they work to have different ways of doing things. But a high school student is just excited. And they just want to be a part of something and they want to be paid. They like to work and get paid. They're like, wow, I get paid. And then the connection that you get with the mentor on site makes you feel like a part of a team, part of a family. And that's always good. Yeah, I like what you said about having the connection. And I and same with you, Miss Abby. I can really see our students uh, being that connection. Why couldn't they, if we're for sure, we already know for this collaboration, we're going to place them out at different centers, at different schools. Why then can't they bring, be the thread that brings it all back together, mm -hmm. creating something and then taking it back out mm -hmm. and leading that. They could, they could do that. Mm -hmm. No problem. Um, but that's exciting stuff. It's inspiring stuff. Well, you have my contact information. If y'all have any questions or if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. There, there are apprenticeships out there for everything. <laughs> and if they're not, we can make them. So. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> I know the process. I'll be like, hey, do we have one in this? Mary will be like, no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm really excited yes. about it. I love the fact of knowing that I'll get them earlier. You know, that's the big thing for um, people who have been in this position where we are hiring students. So I hired 30 work-based learners this year. Mm -hmm. And 
if they did not go through any of my former classes or what Tracy's teaching right now, I got them brand new. I mean, you can teach them what you want them to learn. Exactly. They're coming in my building and I have to teach them as they're being paid for this. I'm going to step it back now and they are going to learn the correct way from the correct teachers, understanding who they are, mm-hmm. et cetera. So by the time we hire them as seniors, they're going to be powerful. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the NC Unwrapped podcast. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at NC Unwrapped. This has been Teresa Henderson. We'll see you next time.